Good evening. After more than a century, America outlaws lynching, peace on the horizon in Ukraine, the role of Israel, and what did the Oscar slap mean for black people? With these and other stories, I'm Paul DiRienzo with the WBAI News for Tuesday, March 29th, 2022. On the steps of the White House today, President Joe Biden signed into law the first federal legislation making lynching a federal hate crime after the United States Senate passed a bill by unanimous consent this month. The legislation is named for 14-year-old Emmett Till, who was brutally murdered in a racist attack in Mississippi in 1955. The bill would make it possible to prosecute a crime such as lynching when a conspiracy to commit a hate crime results in death or serious bodily injury. Biden was joined for the signing by members of Congress, advocates, and the great-granddaughter of pioneering journalist Ida B. Wells, who exposed lynching 120 years ago. Hate never goes away. It only hides. It hides under the rocks. Give it just a little bit of oxygen. It comes roaring back out, screaming. Ida B. Wells once said, quote, the way to right wrongs is to turn the light of truth upon the wrongs. That's what all of you have done gathered in this Rose Garden, including Ida B. Wells' great granddaughter, Michelle Duster whom I'm honored to introduce. My brother Dan and I are honored to be here and represent our great-grandmother, Ida B. Wallace Barnett, who once said, our country's national crime is lynching. She was born enslaved in 1862, Holly Springs, Mississippi, the same state where 14-year-old Emmett Till was lynched 93 years later. She became one of the first investigative and most prominent journalists and civil rights activists of her time. Through her writing and speaking, she exposed uncomfortable truths that upset the status quo. Truths that lynching was being used as an excuse to terrorize the black community in order to maintain a social and economic hierarchy based on race. And in 1898, in response to the lynching of Postmaster Fraser Baker in Lake City, South Carolina, she visited President William S. McKinley right here in Washington to urge him to make lynching a federal crime. Since my great-grandmother's visit to the White House 124 years ago, there have been over 200 attempts to get legislation enacted. And 17 years ago, in 2005, my brother Dan spoke at the Senate press conference where they issued an apology for not passing the legislation. It is my humble honor to introduce the Vice President of the United States, Kamala Harris. Lynching is not a relic of the past. Racial acts of terror still occur in our nation. And when they do, we must all have the courage to name them and hold the perpetrators to account. Three Republicans voted against the bill in the House. Thomas Massey of Kentucky said lynching is already illegal at the state level. He added hate crimes impact free speech, in his opinion. In more free speech news, 
Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida signed legislation yesterday prohibiting classroom instruction and discussion about sexual orientation and gender identity in some elementary school grades, a law opponents have called Don't Say Gay. He spoke of the bill signing surrounded by young kids who cheered as DeSantis signed the legislation to some a sign of indoctrination of youth in its own right. The governor, a potential presidential contender, had this to say many of these leftist politicians they're doing it because they actually support having woke gender ideology in first grade they support how january was treated by the school system there they don't think parents should know they think you should be able to have a school district that will gender transition somebody without even telling the parents or giving them the consent so they've got to figure out a way to camouflage that policy position because that is not a policy position that is going to be terribly popular the law titled Parental Rights in Education has drawn national criticism from LGBTQ organizations that fear it'll have a chilling effect among teachers and young students. The law will allow parents to opt out of counseling and mental health services and to sue school districts for any perceived violations. Districts will have to cover the costs of those lawsuits. And in international news, Russia promised today to scale down military operations around Kiev and other cities in Ukraine as the United States warned the threat was not over. Reportedly, Ukraine has proposed adopting a neutral status and a sign of progress of face-to-face negotiations being held in Turkey. Defense Department spokesperson John Kirby. Without a reporting, it's really important that we put a little bit of this into context. We've seen that Russia has attempted now for going on a month to sell this war of theirs to its domestic audience as a, quote, liberation of the Donbass. However, intensified rhetoric over the last year and in the lead-up to Russia's invasion demonstrated that the Kremlin's real intent was to overthrow the democratically elected government and to occupy or annex large portions of Ukraine. The posture of Russian forces around Kyiv, along much of the Black and the Azov Sea coasts, and in central and northeastern Ukraine indicates the geographic scale of this ambition. They've been attacking Ukraine, as we have been talking about now for several weeks, on multiple lines of axis. Russia's intent was to replace Ukrainian regional and national authorities and create so-called people's republics. The rapid advance to Kyiv in the initial days of the war showed very clearly for all of us that Kyiv and the capital city was a key objective for the Russians. So we ought not be fooling, and nobody should be fooling ourselves, by the Kremlin's now recent claim that it will suddenly just reduce military attacks near Kyiv or any reports that it's going to withdraw all its forces. Has there been some movement by some Russian units away from Kyiv in the last day or so? Yeah, we think so. Small numbers. But we believe that this is a repositioning, not a real withdrawal and that we all should be prepared to watch for a major offensive against other areas of Ukraine. John Kirby's Defense Department press spokesperson. Peace talks are being held in an Istanbul palace more than a month into the largest attack on a European nation since World War II. The war has killed or injured thousands, forced nearly four million to flee abroad and pummeled Russia's economy with sanctions. Ukrainian negotiators say under their proposals, Kyiv would agree not to join alliances or host bases of foreign troops, but would have its security guaranteed. Negotiators named Israel and NATO members Canada, Poland and Turkey as countries that may give such guarantees. Russia, the United States, Britain, Germany, and Italy could also be involved. The proposals requiring a referendum in Ukraine mentioned a 15-year consultation period on the status of Crimea annexed by Russia in 2014. 
Israel has close relations to both Kiev and Moscow. Ukraine is one of the largest populations of Jewish people in Europe, and Israel has worked closely with Russia during the civil conflict in Syria. Code Pink Middle East expert is Ariel Gold. She says Israel has a lot to lose if its relations with either country worsens. Israel is trying to walk a very cautious line. They don't want to anger Russia, while at the same time wanting to remain on the U.S.'s good side not appearing to want to quite upset the U.S. and the $3.8 billion a year that we give them. On the other hand, the reason for wanting to appease Russia is largely because Israel needs Russian permission to bomb Iranian proxy sites in Syria. So it's entirely Israel's interest that way, their war and military interest, and in that case, in the interest of their attempts to undermine the Iran nuclear deal, you know, it's quite hypocritical in so many ways, or I guess I could say expected of Israel. But Ukraine is one of the European countries with the largest Jewish population. They're very integrated into society. And despite Putin's claims that he's trying to denazify Ukraine and not to say that there aren't Nazi elements that are integrated into their military. We have that here. Germany's military has that problem. And then, of course, we can look to Hungary, which has a anti-Semitic president. But contrary to that, polling in Ukraine, Jews are more welcomed and encouraged to get citizenship there than in any other European country. So you have this huge Jewish population, and you would think that Israel, being the state that positions itself as the savior of all Jews, would be trying to support the Ukrainian Jews. However, Israel's real interest in this situation is patting their white Jewish population so that they can continue to manufacture the demographics in Israel. So we've seen a lot of Israeli applauding the number of Ukrainian refugees who have taken Israel up on citizenship, while at the same time not welcoming, capping very, very low the number of non-Jewish refugees that they're welcoming out of Ukraine. Some of these countries have very close relations with Ukraine because they buy grain and other things. Some of them have very close relations with Russia because of the oil business. How is that interacting with the Abraham Accords and that whole attempt by Trump and Kushner to change the, the whole Middle East? The whole idea of the Abraham Accords is really throwing Palestinians under the bus and having Israel build partnerships with repressive Middle East countries in their own military interests, because we see a lot of military sales and partnerships between the two. So what we're watching right now is Israel joining their Arab Middle East neighbors in leaving Ukraine out to dry. What does that say with the United States' relationship with these countries? It's no longer a unipolar world, and we're seeing it from this. We're seeing it from uh, Mohammed bin Salman, the crown prince of Saudi Arabia, refusing to take Biden's calls as Biden looked to ramp up oil production from Saudi Arabia to make up for Russia. And we're watching these countries really prove that it's no longer a unipolar world as they balance between what they can gain from their relationship with Russia to what they can gain from their relationship with the U.S. Ariel Gold is Middle East expert for the peace organization Code Pink. While violent attacks are always horrific, Israeli outrage at the death toll in Ukraine fails to note in the 2014 war on Gaza, 
Israel called it an operation. Israel killed 530 children. The Jerusalem Times notes Gaza has 2 million residents and Ukraine 40 million. That is, Israel's killings were 200-fold larger. In national news, the Washington Post and CBS reported today that White House records show an unexplained gap of more than seven hours in the record of former President Donald Trump's telephone calls the day of the deadly January 6th, 2021 attack on the U.S. Capitol. Logs turned over to the House of Representatives panel investigating the attack showed no calls placed to or by Trump between 11.17 a.m. and 6.54 p.m. while his supporters violently rioted in the Capitol. As lawmakers were set to certify Trump's 2020 election loss, the 11 pages of records turned over to lawmakers showed Trump talked to at least eight people by phone before the gap and 11 afterwards, raising the specter the records may have been tampered with. Yesterday, the House panel voted unanimously to seek contempt of Congress charges against Peter Navarro, a former trade advisor to Trump, and Daniel Scavino, who was Trump's deputy chief of staff. In related news, U.S. Senate Democratic leader Chuck Schumer today said Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas should recuse himself from any cases about the January 6th attack on the Capitol by Trump's followers. First, I do think he should recuse himself. Uh, the information we know, know right now raises serious questions about how close Justice Thomas and his wife were to the planning and execution of the insurrection. And yes, I believe I'll answer both your questions. You were very clever. I think there should be uh, some kind of code of ethics for Supreme Court justices. Senator Schumer, he became the most high-ranking Democrat to make the request of the conservative justice after the Washington Post and CBS News reported on text messages showing that Thomas his wife, Virginia Thomas, a conservative activist who goes by Ginny, urged Mark Meadows, Trump's then chief of staff, to work to overturn Democrat Joe Biden's November 2020 election win. And you're listening to the news on WBAI New York. I'm Paul DiRienzo. It was a slap heard round the world at the Oscars Sunday when actor Will Smith walked up to comedian and presenter Chris Rock and slapped him in the face over a joke about Smith's wife. A faint reminder of the era of the duel, aptly described by country singer Frankie Lane in this 1960 hit. I had myself a drink and I joined in a poker game. The dealer was a woman, so I asked her for her name. She smiled at me so pretty, but a hush fell over the place as a big man crossed the table, stood up and slapped my face. That song ends in a deadly shootout and stabbing on the banks of the Mississippi River. Smith won the Oscar for Best Actor, effectively upstaging himself. He apologized half-heartedly in his acceptance speech as he cried some tears. Um, I want to apologize to the Academy. I want to apologize to my, all my fellow nominees. Um, This is a beautiful moment, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not crying for winning a, an award. It's not, it's not about winning an award for me. It's about being able to shine light on all of the people, King Richard and Venus and Serena, the, the entire Williams family. Um, art imitates life. I look like the crazy father, just like they said. <laughs> I look like crazy father, just like they said about Richard Williams. To my mother, being able to love and care for my mother and my family, my wife. Um, I'm taking up too much time. 
Thank you, uh, uh, Ho Ying Academy invites me back. Thank you. <laughs> Smith won the award for the film King Richard, where he plays the difficult father of tennis star Serena and Venus Williams. Radio shock jock Howard Stern, though, is having none of Smith's apology. He says, where was the security? Will Smith and Trump are the same guy. He decided he's going to take matters into his own hands. You know, at a time when the world is at war, bad timing, man. I mean, just, you know, calm your ass down. Where's yet? That's Howard Stern, a man who once appeared on television in blackface. Of course, the Oscars have often played host to disputes and issues far beyond the silver screen. In 1972, actor Marlon Brando shunned the Oscar for The Godfather and sent Native American spokesperson Sasheen Littlefeather to make a statement about brutal stereotyping of Native people by Hollywood. My name is Sasheen Littlefeather. I'm Apache, and I'm president of the National Native American Affirmative Image Committee. I'm representing Marlon Brando this evening, and he has asked me to tell you in a very long speech, which I cannot share with you presently, because of time, but I will be glad to share with the press afterwards that he very regretfully cannot accept this very generous award. And the reasons for this being are the treatment of American Indians today by the film industry, excuse me, and on television in movie reruns and also with recent happenings at Wounded Knee. I beg at this time that I have not intruded upon this evening and that we will, in the future, our hearts and our understandings will meet with love and generosity. Thank you on behalf of Marlon Brando. What grace. Little Feather was denied a chance to read her entire speech. You heard she was met with booze by some. In one account, right-wing actor John Wayne came close to assaulting her afterwards. Hollywood celebrities are giving a split decision on Sunday's assault, though. Comedians such as Kathy Griffin, Judge Apatow, and more, and others spoke out against Smith following the slap, with Griffin posting on Twitter, let me tell you something. It's a very bad practice to walk up on stage and physically assault a comedian. Now we all have to worry about who wants to be the next Will Smith in comedy clubs and theaters. Other celebrities, such as Tiffany Haddish, were in Smith's corner. Haddish starred with Pinkett Smith in the comedy Girls Trip and told People magazine that Will Smith smacking rock was the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. When I saw a black man stand up for his wife, that meant so much to me, Haddish added, as a woman who's been unprotected for someone to say, keep my wife's name out of your mouth leave my wife alone and that's what your husband is supposed to do right protect you is a slap an important event for black people it's surely been widely discussed and everyone seems to have an opinion but black lives matter leader anthony beckford says violence between privileged millionaires has little to do with the institutional violence that plagues the black community the dispute between these two here is not representative of the world itself human beings do have emotions and some people we don't know what their status may be mentally or whatever, but maybe holding in so much inside. And matter of fact, I do believe that part was addressed in the acceptance speech that he had so much built up inside, having to be this perfect person for everybody and was not able to express himself. And at that moment, that's when his mind and his body, his mentality, his emotions said enough is enough. It's sad that the world had to see it, but I believe both have learned lessons at this moment. We'll learn 
that he needs to find a way to control his anger, not suppress it, because suppressing is what actually makes it develop even more and festers. And Chris Rock also learned there's certain things that are truly off limit. There's a lot of people out there who may not understand, but a lot of this also has to do with cultural differences as well, too. They don't understand what happens within a lot of our communities. We have to look at the past trauma that Will's had as well, where he has watched his mother be beaten by his father, and he felt like he was not able to protect her. And then having to deal with everything that's with the media circus, nobody, no matter how much money they make, no matter what their status is, is exempt from having these type of crashes in their life. You ask most of the people on the street, what would they do if somebody disrespect their partner? A lot of them will come to the defense of their partner, whether it be verbally or will they slap them? It's not only a problem in the community, it's a problem among the police officers and what drives them sometimes to violent actions. We can't compare this in regards to police officers because I had somebody who put on Facebook that a man who defends his woman with violence is a man that enacts violence upon his woman. And many women came to that post that this person put up there and was like, no, that's not true because they've been in situations where their significant other has defended them from somebody who may have groped them or somebody who may have hit them or somebody who may have disrespected them. We can never compare it to the police because remember, the police are actually built from a system. Conditioning of culture and society is different from conditioning of a system. The police are following a code that the system has conditioned them with, has built within them, has put policies in place to protect them, and that's what allows police violence to occur. Racism also drives it. We can never compare the doings of black people and the doings of everyone else and black people. There's definitely a line that divides that. With these two right here, it's definitely something that they needed to work out, and I'm glad that they both apologized to each other and they figured out a way that they're going to work it out together. Maybe they could get together and make a big donation and together to some worthy charity because they can sure afford it. More than likely they'll do that. <laughs> yeah, right. Transition to uh, Mayor Adams' approach to crime and videography and all these things. I'll say we do call the NYPD the biggest gang in America for a reason. The NYPD is bigger than most armies in various countries. Putting more on the street is not productive for the people. Malcolm X said this. How do you have more cops but more crime? It seems like the criminals and the cops are working hand in hand. Then that tells you that the system needs and breeds the conditions for crime because they have to look like a savior because you cannot have a good without saying, that okay, this is your evil. Most of these police officers need as much education as possible because they can't even get past their own failures within the academy. You cannot go out there with just a high school diploma and say, hey, okay, let me just put a gun in your hand. No, I feel they need anywhere from a bachelor's to a master's to even be on the streets to handle a firearm. You can't be out here saying we're going to go against gun violence if you're going to add more people that will contribute to gun violence. It makes no sense at all. NYPD officers have been caught up in many types of investigations locally and federally. That's who they need to look at, the real criminals. And also shut down the iron pipeline that I've been telling them about for the past 23 years. Anything you like to add? For the folks out there, especially my fellow cop watchers, keep recording, keep recording, keep recording. Do keep yourself safe because you do not need to be a statistic when it comes to the violence against you. Everybody out there is a cop watcher. We outnumbered the NYPD officers. So everybody who's able to record, 
please do so. If you don't have your phone on you, take out a paper and a pen, write down all the information because it's needed. This is what helps us at, and protects us at this moment. Black Lives Matter leader Anthony Beckford. Jada Pinkett Smith is speaking out. The actress posted a message on her Instagram reading. This is a season for healing and I'm here for it. Jada's statement comes after Will issued an apology of his own today, writing violence in all of its forms is poisonous and destructive. And then he said he behaved in an emotionally incorrect manner. And a sign of things to come in Virginia today, a defense lawyer raised the Will Smith defense in a murder trial. And that's some of the news for Tuesday, March 29th, 2022. The news is produced with Linda Perry, our engineers, Reggie Johnson from New York City. I'm Paul DiRienzo. Watch for that slap. And thanks for joining us.